and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 83, which begins with Ash seizing and rolling up a porno magazine and ends with Ash spinning around the bulkheads like a ragdoll having a seizure. You like that? Pretty good, sure. huh? it's pretty good. Uh, and we're joined today uh, by Violet Luca, digital editor of Film Comment and a regular contributor to Sight and Sound and Brooklyn Magazine. Hello, Violet. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks. Well, here we go. So, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Who wants to start? This is this is the craziest <laughs> attack, and this is definitely not what I expected when I went and saw Alien for the first time. I don't know about anybody else, but this is not in the program notes, uh, the, you know, or the, the reviews. Nobody really talks about this. <laughs> Thank God, I guess. Weird. Um, it's, I remember there was some stand up. I remember, uh, making a joke about, it's like, you know, you like the idea of like, well, who really dies by being suffocated by a pillow? And then since this is just like the even crazier thing the, to take a, to take a, uh, a porno mag and then try and jam it down someone's throat. Um, and just that, like, it's such a strange, it is like a totally, it's a very sort of like obvious uh Freudian thing going on um but also it's like it's such a violent it's also really violent and it's like it's it's you know he's not really even trying to suffocate her he's just trying to like really damp like damp like damage her mouth and just sort of like incapacitate her and it's like it's so it's such a it is so weird but then also it's it's made even more unsettling because it's like you realize how strong he is because he's not a real person like it's it's like you and like when he just sort of reaches out and grabs Yafit Koto's and just like weirdly <laughs> it's like such a it's it's so um it's very it's like very sexually charged but there's there's but also all sex is removed you know it's this it's uh you know it's it's like this weird gender war but there's also no there's also no gender involved. It's it's yeah. It's uh, it's very strange, but also totally scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That um, I don't know what he does to um to Parker. It's like some kind of <laughs> oh, it would hurt like hell. I guess he's got super grip. Yeah, yeah, right. That muscle. Yeah, if you had that muscle, any muscle, like taken into a vice grip, it's going to hurt really bad. That made that part makes total sense to me. I always um, felt like Yafakoto was just selling the hell out of that well, moment he, because well, I was yeah, like, because that's so not set up that that Ash is, has the vice grip, you know. Yeah. He can't quite force the magazine down Ripley's throat, but he's able to put his hand on on Parker and neutralize him for a second. Well, I guess this is where we got to talk about. It. You mentioned Violet. You're not sure, or or you're saying it's not like he's really shoving it down her throat. It seems like he's almost trying to damage her. I think it takes a, it would take an immense amount of strength. To be able to hold that thing in position against a person who is no in no other way incapacitated. I mean, she's right. In, right. she's unconscious for the moment that he begins it. But if you're watching this and this is a normal human being, this is an easy uh, move to get out of for Ripley. It should be. She should be able to slide right out and kick him or hit him. She's got every limb free. But yet he's strong enough to really <laughs> ram that thing down. And I, I can't make heads or tails, though, of his logic. Like, why is this the choice? And I think that this, we're back again to the malfunctioning android here. I don't think this makes any sense. And and then we're getting circling right back around to 
it's just weird. This movie's just weird. This is just another moment that's supposed to leave you un- uncertain and uncomfortable. Ridley Scott says in one of the commentaries, is this how robots have sex? And I thought, that's the weirdest question. That doesn't even, I don't even know how you get to that question from that action. I don't either. I mean, why, what would that mean for the scene exactly? I mean, we we understand that it's a, this is a rape metaphor. There's no dancing around that. But um, so much so, I was going to point out that in the, uh, Archie Goodwin and Walter Simonson in the illustrated story, uh, you know, seemingly going off of the pages of the script, or I actually don't know where they got this information, but they do illustrate this, and Ripley's on her knees on the ground. They read it as a straight-up blowjob. Like, he is, she's on her knees, and he's shoving that magazine down her throat that way. They read it even more um, that way than it's shown in the movie. But where's the connection? I don't know what really Scott's saying. There I don't exactly. know either. That's what he's, what he's saying. I don't know sometimes that guy, what he says these days. You know, another thing just to mention, um, I, I, a couple of days ago I'd mentioned the, the film comment article and uh, that was from 79 with by a guy named um, Tom Feigenshue or, or Feigenshue. And he has this theory in this particular article that, you know, the horror movie lives and dies by what he says are sort of three things. You know, the structure of the piece, the mood of the piece, and the monster. And um, he says very kind words about Frank Langella, the 1979 Dracula. Kinder words probably than I would have. Um, but, you know, this notion, one of the things that's so interesting about Alien when it comes down to this issue of the monster is not only do we have this monster that's, co- that's constantly changing form and size, but then we get another monster in Ash. Like, I wasn't expecting this and what happens in these subsequent minutes that he transforms into, this is its own, this is its own separate monster movie. This is, so he's really the monster. He's, he's a second monster, but you can also just read him as a monster, the monster's ally, right? He's the monster's protector. Is there examples of this in earlier horror genre or uh, is that something that has precedent before this? Well, I think of Salem's Lot. Yeah. Right. I mean, the familiar, the familiar of the vampire, the familiar of the sure. witch. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, also Renfield and Dracula. That could sort of work. Did you say Renfield and Dracula? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I like this. I mean, I think because um, we were talking about this in the first minute we discussed where it's like, you know, the, the shot where he just pops up behind Ripley established, like mirrors the earlier shot when the alien first pops up, you know, yeah. gigantic form behind uh brett you know it's it's not even that these are like this is an you know of course it's an assistant but it's also an extension ash is an extension of the company he's he's the only person in on he's the only thing in on this larger the larger mission of the company which is you know to not only you you should possibly get this perfect weapon for their own purposes uh and then also to get you know whatever assets they've mined uh, without any regard for human life. And so it's like, you know, you can see it either as two monsters or, you know, as, you know, he's the literal, he's the literal representative, the literal agent of the company, or, you know, they're one in the same where it's like an accomplice or an extension or, you know, an accomplice or secondary to the alien itself. So, yeah, it's one of the great things that I love about hammer horror movies is the, the humans are always ultimately worse than the monsters. And yes. in so many great horror movies that happens that that it's the it's the people um even the even the non-believing doctors that put Reagan through all of the tests in the exorcist are arguably you know they're they're almost as bad as the devil because 
they yeah. won't acknowledge the existence of something else. They're they're so bound by their own hubris as as medical professionals. And those scenes are well. Speaking of the excesses, those scenes are also very. I think those are some of the creepier scenes. They're almost, I find those scenes far creepier than the scenes with you know where the demon or the devil is at work because it's like that's that's a horror you know a child suffering in this very blase way or just like how clinical everything is uh and the clinical the clinicalness um here is sort of like part of what makes it scary or just sort of like ill at ease where it's like you know it, he's he's tr it's it's such a violent act but it's just so blase and so it's so mechanical obviously yeah, apparently the the majority of the walkouts in The Exorcist happened during that sequence. It was the, the spinal tap sequence was what really sent the people running for the bathrooms when that, when that movie first came out. Yeah, I agree. That's always been my. That's always what I think about when I actually think about the effect The Exorcist had on me when I first saw it. I never. The other stuff is also so parodied now. The uh, yeah. for talking about The Exorcist, but my childhood greatest childhood fear. I didn't fear actual monsters. But I feared. Like going, having to go to the hospital and things like that. I was always more terrified of movies about children having diseases and things. So when I first saw The Exorcist, all that came back. And it definitely set a tone for me for the rest of that movie when I saw it. So we, we get to some very um, impressive work with a fire extinguisher here, here in the hands <laughs> of Parker. And that sends him, that sends him spinning off in, against, the, against the wall. Which I, I think maybe validates our theory that her throwing him against the wall started this malfunction because now so he gets the second hit and it's over he's he's completely on the fritz now he's so. like look at this company they're so cheap yeah. they sent these terrible robots they don't last you yeah. hit them twice they're just spewing milk all over no they kill <laughs> they kill the crew and they're so cheap it's terrible as a theory that is backed up in the second aliens <laughs> but anyway yeah yeah, that's no. It's totally true. No wonder they don't send him out onto the planet on the on the mission because he couldn't. He wouldn't be able to take it out there. It's too rough. Right. Well, getting way ahead, you know, talk about aliens for a second. I kind of wonder if James Cameron, when he was writing the script for Aliens, and he wrote these th that scene where Bishop talks about the previous. If James Cameron didn't think, I could just totally see him because he's the tough guy. He's got he's writing about Marines and just like, man, that Ash was a pussy. Let's no, come on. We got to write some explanation for why he was so easy to tear apart. This is ridiculous. I don't know. But this does echo what uh, Caitlin Horseman said a while back about the otherness of the gender otherness of Ash. Mm -hmm. You know how he's how he on one hand he's incredibly strong and powerful, and then now he's he there's this fragility about him, and it's it's this weird tension that runs all the way th through the movie. There's moments that are where his, his He's sort of this gender neutral character and seems to have no power. And then other moments where he does things like open the hatch, which is, you know, incredibly powerful move that he's made. So he's such a fascinating character of, of these polarities, I think. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't uh, listen to the episode that you're referring to where she was talking about that. But I do, I mean, throughout the film, it's just like, you know, this weird, stiff, sexless man and then you when he really you know he's sort of unleashed and like the all of this you know repressed feeling or repressed desire just like explodes here and and desire in a very literal way because again because of you know the weird uh you know girly mags all over the fact that the murder weapon or the intended murder weapon is a girly mag 
And it's so funny because in the if you look at the beginning of this scene where she's just lying unconscious, waiting for this, you know, what's gonna come, you know, what's about to come next. There's a little TV there too, with what it almost looks like it's a horse race, but it's so hard to say. Or at least on my copy, I had a really hard time telling what it was. But it, it, it's like this, you know, there's this little movement behind her and it's just like everything sort of explodes at this moment. And I think the fact that he's, the, even the way that he sort of spins around, I think is sort of like, a, it, it's like a, almost like a weird visual echo, of, you know, sort of curling, curling up a magazine like that and shoving it down someone's throat. Like, it's just so, like, there's this, yeah, everything just comes out. <laughs> Malprogrammed masculinity. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to point out because I love uh, to point out Veronica Cartwright and uh, her performance and Lambert's uh, character. Did you guys notice? You know, it's easy to focus during the struggle. To go back a minute, uh, during the struggle, it's easy to focus on the magazine, and it's easy to focus on Ash grabbing uh, uh, Parker's pectoral muscle. Did you guys notice what Lambert's doing? Because it's really humorous. No way. <laughs> Basically, it looks like she's trying to pick up a large box. <laughs> she she comes up, she puts her arms around him, and she can't move him. You know, this is an immovable object moment. And she literally stops and goes, huh, and tries another way. <laughs> she like, puts her arms just can't get a hold of him. It's so funny to me. And then she shifts gears and goes. She's like, the- huh, maybe I should try this way. She's actually taking the time. To, well, all these people are getting hurt <laughs> I don't know. I just I love Lambert. We get Lambert takes a lot of shit on the on Twitter and Facebook, but I was like, to we bring love up. Lambert. We love Lambert. We love you, Veronica Cartwright. We think you did a great job. Yeah. Okay. Well, does anybody else have anything? Not for me. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for minute eighty three. Violet, would you like to remind our listeners where they can find you out there? Sure. Uh, you can find me at uh, filmcomma dot com um, with some. Uh, great writers uh, on that site or you can um, check me out on Twitter at unbutton my eyes and we are as always we're on alienminute.com we're also at Twitter at alienminutepod you can follow us on uh, Facebook at our listeners group as well and uh, head over to our Public site and buy some t-shirts if you feel like it Um, thank you and we'll see you tomorrow for minute number 84